always so loud. Sorry about that. I am Red Clay. And Norman G. This is the Yay, where we talk about life in the theater and the theater of life. Yay! <laughs> we have a fantastic guest that we're bringing back, Radhika Rao. How are you, Radhika? I am great. I'm so excited to be back. Yeah, yeah. Now, we, uh, it's been, uh, I think you were last on July of 2017. Wow. Uh, that was episode, geez, I got to... Um, <laughs> Twenty something, oh. yeah, twenty something, and now you are one thirty one, and we wanted to bring you back. Wow. Uh, you are a uh, you are an actress, you are a director, uh, you're an educator, a Harvard alum. Uh, wow. So uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So we don't have to do an origin story because we know uh, you know people should look at uh, episode. We can just talk, <laughs> yeah. just talk shit. Just let's talk shit. That's right? great. Congratulations yeah. for doing one hundred and thirty. 131. 31, wow. Yeah, you are 131. Wow. And, uh, you know, it's funny. I met uh, Alan Coyne. I posted it last night. Mm-hmm. He is doing this show called Cloud Nine. I have known, I oh, know nothing about um, it. Oh, Char- Carol Churchill. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, he, uh, he was coming back from uh, rehearsals uh, because I guess they're going to be opening, I think, next week maybe. Mm-hmm. And um, he gave me a great big hug, and he was like, hey, man, the yay. I just love the yay. I just love listening wow. to so many you know, different people and the subject that we talk about. And so we have a small That's audience. Cool. It'll never be as big. You know, we're not going to get 10,000, 100,000 people because it's just about Bay Area theaters, regional. Mm-hmm. But the small people that we have, you know, it's quality, and people enjoy what we do. Well, hopefully, so. hopefully we will continue to build. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's so exciting. Yeah, you I enjoy the A2. Yeah, yeah. you're episode 21. That's what? amazing. <laughs> so it's been awesome. Legal drinking age, all right. Yeah, yeah exactly. Norman, as I ask you every week, how how's your week? Well, midsummer open. That's, that's right. That's my week has been much about that. That and uh, standardized patient and, because I just didn't have enough to do in my day, um, I started a long pose uh, for a sculpting group. Uh-huh. So, first thing in the morning, I'm in San Francisco, 745, I've got to be in there, get dressed in a hospital gown and pretend to be some old guy, and then lunchtime, I race across town and I sit for this sculpting group, and then I go to the theater. Uh, you know, Tuesday night, I was just whooped. Wow. <laughs> oh, my goodness. But, wow. yeah, now, now the show is open. Yay. Yay. And we're not performing tonight. They have decided, and I know this is true for small companies, a lot of times that second, you know, you kind of hit that second performance slump, but you also hit it in terms of audience. Nobody knows about the show yet. Mm. Word of mouth hasn't really started. Everybody that you know who's excited about it has come on opening. Yeah. And so uh, they once did a show where one of the actors – wasn't available on that day, and they decided to go ahead and go with it anyway because they they could just let that night go. And that year, they had somebody, a sponsor, buy out that night. Hmm. Wow. So they oh, d- And they decided that it didn't really affect the bottom line, and so they've done it ever since, they say. And I'm like, oh, okay, I, I don't know, yeah. but we're off. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to find something to do tonight. <laughs> oh, that's what happened. That's why you're not performing tonight. Yeah. Got it, got yeah. it, okay. And you guys uh, have won a TBA award. Uh, the Arabian Shakespeare Festival yes, won yeah. it for uh, 12th night. Okay. Won yeah. four awards. <coughs> four awards. I, I didn't even know I what the other ones were. I believe four was it or five. Or something? It wasn't there costume. Was, there were ensemble, I think. Gen one. I think yeah. Gen one. Um, and then there was, yeah, some other things. But they, yeah, they, they won. They were nominated for nine and won four. I'm not. I'm not sure. Maybe yeah. five. Yeah, um, no, that's fantastic. Yeah, so hopefully that publicity should feed in uh, yeah. to Midsummer Night. Yeah, mm, I'm hoping. I'll well, be there. It's, it's also a strange choice 
for November. And then, and so, and it's funny because what we did and, and will, you know, accurately sort of identified. So if you think about what is the, um, what's it called? The initiating moment, or there's a, there's a term for it. The mm. thing that has set this story, what has set this story in motion? What has set this story in motion from our perspective is this, this discord between Oberon and Titania. Right. And, and then the seasons are out of whack and lovers are messing around. You know, why does Demetrius end up going, d- dumping Helena and going after Hermia? We, in our production, we're saying that's because everything is just crazy. Everything is out of sorts. And once it gets back in sync, then everything straightens out and it's a happy ending. And that's wonderful. And I'm like, oh, okay, so it's November, but yeah, we're we're in a real November where we're going to have 80 degree temperatures. Yeah, it's very strange. I mean, you know, I, I had week. my sweater, you know, and last yeah. week, I, you know, it was a heat wave, so right. it's a little crazy. Yeah. So yeah, no. So and that's that world's a little topsy turvy too, it right? Is. Like right. things are burning. There's an impeachment in right. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. And, and a denial that there's an impeachment. In yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And every piece of evidence that come out, and they say, "See, that proves that nothing happened." It's like, <laughs> no, that that actually proves that you did. <laughs> <laughs> right, 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 exactly. We'll get into current events. But it's interesting, know, Midsummer Night's Dream. I mean, it seems to be a lot of th- uh, Shakespeare companies love that because you could do so many things with the roles. And I think it's one of the most yeah. perfect of Shakespeare's plays. I'm mm. The structure of it, there's, like we were talking about As You Like It, because mm-hmm. I'd done that and some people who had come to the preview had seen it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it was Teddy, actually. Somebody mm. who was there last <coughs> night said, I actually don't like that play. And I was like, yeah, it's a tricky play to, to be in love with. Um, but Midsummer textually just keeps moving. Everything folds yeah. into the story. The characters come together. They work it out, and then you get to an ending. Um, and there are very few of the comedies that do that, it, at least do it as well as Midsummer does. And then all those other storylines interweave in a nice way where, like, with As You Like It, and I keep saying it, you could drop touchstone you could drop jayquees and in terms of the story you actually don't lose much in terms of the texture of the play you do but in terms of what story you're telling midsummer's story is just Mm -hmm. it's just perfect so beautiful and the verse is so beautiful yeah Yeah. Yeah. have you done it radica i know no i've never done it i've just i've seen seen it many times but i've never done it okay but i used to use the you know helena's monologue when i was younger a lot because i just love all you know, mm-hmm. oh hello spite, yeah, that mm. monologue. I used to use it when I was younger. <laughs> yeah, anyway, I aged out of it, I think. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. And the last time you were here, you were doing Hamlet. I think you were the grave digger. Yes, I was the grave digger oh, and Guildenstern. Oh, season when everybody was doing Hamlet. That's right, there were four yeah. of them, and you were doing it. You were mm-hmm. Polonius. <laughs> I think we another were five or production. six that year. Yeah. Oh yeah, you. That was ASF when yeah, you were ASF, Polonius. Yeah. You yeah. were wonderful. Yeah. Thank you. And um, yeah, I was Guildenstern and second grave digger, mm. and I believe something else that I can't remember, but I love. Yeah, it was. It was fun. It was my first time doing like summer Shakespeare <laughs> and uh, doing a run between like May and. Mm-hmm. October. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And since then, I mean, you, you've directed me. I think uh, we did the Playwright Center for San Francisco, and you were sort of the guest director along with, a, along with um, God, what's that guy's name? Sean, Sean Jay. Sean Jay West. Yeah, Sean Jay West. And so what else have you done? I mean, you've done a bunch of stuff since yeah, then. Yeah, that was a real pleasure. You were <laughs> awesome. Oh, thank that you. The two-hander play that you were in yeah. was so great. Yeah, I, you speci- were, I especially yeah. love the uh, – 
1225, Lynn Aylward. We're going to have her next week. Oh, okay, yes. And uh, she, uh, I, as a matter of fact, I just got finished doing a reading for her. Yeah. Another thing, she's doing a lot of, uh, and there are a couple of folks who are doing a lot of readings, I'm sorry, writing plays on the environment and also just what's yes. happening within, you know, just social Social yes. plays that deal mm-hmm. with social issues, yeah. but yeah, it was wonderful working with you as a director. I was like, okay, I'm seeing a different side of her. Oh, thank yeah. you. I'm <laughs> still. I, I call myself a baby director. Yeah. Because I'm just like I'm just learning on the job, and mm-hmm. I don't do well, it very often. Though. Yeah, it is right. But I don't. I mean, I'm not really technically trained, and so I, as long as I'm surrounded by people that are supportive, I think I, I'm. You know, I can, mm-hmm. I can, I can survive and I can thrive. But yeah, I'm still learning. It's, it was. It's really great. I yeah. like short form, like short plays a lot right now because that's how much my brain can handle. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. But that, that was a nice. Although yeah. I think, I mean, I know this may be a hot issue, but yeah. I think they could have treated you better there. Oh, I'm just, I'm just gonna straight up say it. Oh well, if you said it, well, you know, it's just a matter of budget. You know, yeah. I think it's just a matter of budget and just not giving. We literally, do you remember that we might have had like ten minutes per play? I don't know how. That's much right. That's exactly right. We had like mm. we had to speed direct and uh, which is a horrible way. Of, of working it's a horrible way of working and i think that you know especially for somebody like me because i come from a very different like i come from educational theater but i also mm-hmm. come from a s- philosophy of like everything should be organic and let's mm-hmm. have you know i don't want to tell you where to stand if your body wants to go another way but mm-hmm. in order for us to discover mm-hmm. things we need a little bit of time yeah but it challenged me it was good every you know yeah 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 I mean, the format, I mean, sure, the format is, hey, yeah, yeah. we only have 10 minutes to direct. Yeah. Now, why that has to be, I, I question that. But yeah. that's that's something different, and I mi- bring that Wait, up because. 10 minutes to direct? Yeah. Exactly. The, yeah. What? Tell erotica. So, I, no, yeah, I don't remember yeah. the details because I, I have a terrible head for details. But mm. we were, Sean Jay and I were directing a series of, like, plays. And it was, I think, I don't know if it was 10 plays or 15 plays. But we each were directing about seven or eight plays, you know, each. Mm-hmm. But we only had two or three rehearsals. I think maybe even That's two right. of like, you know, a two-hour rehearsal at night. So it, it gave us like ten minutes or fifteen minutes per play the mm-hmm. to direct to just get into shape. And then the playwrights were sitting, yeah, you know, there, and they had their opinions, and some of them were more. Mm. I just think the formatting you know, is just, and you know, yeah. if Charlie wants to come back on to talk about this. I think, number one, I think it yeah. really has to do with rental, renting the space, yeah. because they have to get out of the space. Yeah. And so that's sort of crunch time. But, you know, uh, why why have so many plays? And also right. the playwrights giving their input. I mean, just, hey, I mean, we're all have, we all had scripts in our hands. Right. There's not much that you can do with mm-hmm. a script in your hands. Right. So all this other stuff, I mean, you've got unrealistic expectations of the playwrights wanting so much right. of mm-hmm. a reading. You have unrealistic expectations of the producers saying, hey, you know, we want to have a quality thing, but we need to have it done as quickly as possible. And also, I mean, just treating, I'm just going to straight up say it, because Lynn Aylward and I, when we were doing our reading uh, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the Playwright Center. Mm -hmm. I think the way that they, and, you know, Charlie talked about wanting to bring in minorities and, and women and just having more diversity. And they're having a problem with that. Well, maybe this is the reason. Mm. Well, that too, and I think that <coughs> um, <laughs> I once, I think I, I got into it with, you know, it was a, uh, with, a, uh, with a producer, you know, of a particular festival. And mm-hmm. he's a lovely, lovely, lovely human. And he kind of started his email with, like, we want more people of color 
and women. So please come and audition because we're <laughs> short of people of color. It's, it's like a demand. Yeah, and I was like, as if I'm responsible for your inability to scout out or recruit it's people. Very good. So mm-hmm. because I know and respect this gentleman so much, mm-hmm. you know, I wrote to him and I said, I don't know if you're aware, but this is what it sounds like, and I'm not going to audition. It's like. You know, saying it's, but I can't tell you how many people have said that to me. I was recently, two days ago, invited to join an improv group, and you know, a very nice white lady that I know said, "I, w- I really want this group to be people of color. I want women who mm-hmm. are people of color <laughs> in there, and you have to join." I was like, "I know, I don't have to do anything." Mm-hmm. And, and <laughs> you know, people of color can mobilize and organize themselves if they need to. And the, I'm actually getting very fatigued of. Uh, being in a show run by a person, you know, who's not POC, mm. you know, you know, but they're running, they're controlling the game, but you're uh, like, you know, you fit into their, your piece of their puzzle. I'm like, I don't know. I feel like we need to be in control of telling the narrative, you know. Yeah. Do you have any, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Too many thoughts on it. No, he, it's he, he's in a wonderful position. The factor, mm-hmm. yeah. It's in the, no, it's, you know, it's the fact fabric of our community. Mm-hmm. It's funny. Um, I'm on the Oakland History page on Facebook, which Mm -hmm. I love, but in recent weeks they've gotten into these controversies. Somebody will post something, and then, (coughs) oh, um, I forget what the first one was, but some black folk got in and just got indignant and started calling names and insulting people and and cursing, and the moderator just (laughs) tries to shut that down and then pretty quickly cut him off, like blocked them. And people were complaining that it was censorship, and I was like, well, they're complaining about gentrification. That's what that was. They were complaining about gentrification. And he was saying, yeah, that is that is a part of Oakland history. But this is a page that really specifically says up until like 1990 or something, we're talking about history. And you could talk about how it relates to what's going on now, but it needs to connect. Mm-hmm. So that one – you know, that one went around in like hundreds of comments and just nasty little wow. sniping back and forth. And one of the things that somebody pointed out that I thought was so appropriate was, well, nobody's denying that, nor is anybody denying your right to post the history of this. That's fine. When you start saying that we need to do something about it, that's for another page. Mm-hmm. This is a history page. And then the, this week it came up again. And I think I've seen this. There's a stone like 75 miles from San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And when you get to that marker, it looks back to the west. And it says, you know, back in the day when they first got here, they could see. And it was 17-something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it was 17-something. And they could see back. So that's when f- settlers first got here. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. So that And that's not a good thing. Ooh, whether it's a good thing or not, we wouldn't be here if they hadn't come here. So... <laughs> If you love being here, right. that's how you got here. So mm-hmm. acknowledge that. And then all this right. stuff about the native peoples, including a really beautiful piece. There is a trust that you can give money to that is about trying to buy the land back for native peoples. Oh, and wow. it supports other stuff. And, and so they buy little, you know, mm-hmm. they get what they can get. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm like, wow, that, that was really neat to learn about. But the people complaining and, you know, somebody said, well, going back to the Bering Straits and, you know, oh, what about Drake and the Vikings? I'm like, the Vikings, West Coast? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. It just went Not, all yeah. over the map. And, we and can't so get into a revisionist history. But yeah, it got into that again. Yeah. It's like nobody is saying don't tell the history yeah. or even pointing out that our history is ugly. Yeah. 
but but to um, to turn it into a and you people are all bad and evil. No, I mean I hate having to out myself. I'm the black guy going, hey. Um, <laughs> yeah. I don't. You can't say all black people because I'm a black person and I don't agree with you. Right. I, I have two thoughts. Uh, one, on that particular thing, we can't get into revisionist history. I mean, I remember talking to someone about Quentin Tarantino's uh, Django Unchained. Oh. And the problem that I had with the whole concept is, yes, you know, slavery is bad, and yes, there's a lot of history that I don't like. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. It's almost like having right. a family member. Yeah, dad may have said something really bad, but he's still your dad. Right. You can still address what happened mm-hmm. and be real about it. But you don't have to say someone is inherently evil. Right. So, just because you don't like the fact that Columbus, you know, mm-hmm. sailed in, you know, 1492, he still did it. Right. So you can't, you know, acknowledge, uh, you can't unacknowledge that. We can't right. take a, a race and erase history. You don't have to turn it into a celebration, but the same way we appreciate memorials. Right. You need to acknowledge that moment. And yeah. many, many cultures have, like, um, dates that they commemorate where they lost a battle mm-hmm. or where things were done to people that aren't mm-hmm. necessarily happy. And I think right. that's part of like, I would say that's part of part of American culture, but it's very much part of like California culture that we don't um, that we, we, we're threatened in some way to experience grief or to like yeah, be too sad yeah. or mm-hmm. you know feel weak. We always want to be happy, and then that you know that leads like a falsity, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, in our experiences to be authentic. I think back. I think in the East Coast, people are just better at being crabby <laughs> if you need to be <laughs> crabby. And yeah, we had, <laughs> we had a conversation about tragedy <laughs> where there's not enough tragedy in theater and also in um, in yeah. um, cinema because people want to yeah. be happy all the time. Right. Disney-ified, all, all sorts of stuff. Well, you do remind me of one other. I know you had a second point. But yeah, um, but that's okay. I, I still remember it. Uh, so my stepson's mm-hmm. best Dexter. friend yeah. uh, committed suicide this morning. Oh, no. And so Gosh. that's been kind yeah. of hanging over the house. And, you know, and realizing the inadequacy, there's just no real good way to deal with it, you know. Make sure you got some food. Um, make sure we're checking in. Leave him some space so that he can sort of vent about how, A, he doesn't know why. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, B, he hates almost everybody's response to it. Sure, sure. Because it's all inadequate. And I'm like, yeah. mm, welcome to adulthood. Let Sorry. me ask you this. Is how this his first time? 17, 18. Oh. Is this his first time dealing with death? In that way, yeah. Yeah, okay. Because my first time was when I was seven when my grandfather was killed. Mm. And uh, that was uh, interesting. And you were aware of it? I, I was very much aware of it. I probably was mm. young enough to not have it hit so hard. It's mm. almost like, well, I'm, I'm experiencing it, but, you know, externally from – it wasn't really personal. I hadn't even thought about that. Yeah, for me, <coughs> yeah. it's seven as well. Yeah. My stepfather was shot. <laughs> wow, wow. Yeah. But getting back to, I mean, we can, you know, go down a rabbit hole of that. But getting back to, I don't have a problem with a white director. Let's say if there was a white director. I mean, Susan Evans has directed me in pieces that dealt with people of color and whatever. But she does it with respect, and she'll ask all of the appropriate questions, Mm -hmm. and I can check in with her, hey, you know, um, this doesn't feel right or something like that. But there are other, I mean, I think uh, Jordan Peele deals with it wonderfully in Mm -hmm. – what is that movie? Um, Get, Get Out. Out. Get Out, mm-hmm. yes. Where you have this, uh, um, you know, liberal liberal people are wonderful people. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, but sometimes there could be a sort of um, a, what do I want to call it, a, um, a belief that you can still control the narrative but mm-hmm. still be right or whatever. Like um, 
So I have another podcast, uh, Black in the Bay, right. and we had yeah. a guest, um, um, Precious Stroud, who is a black activist. Mm. And she, uh, I listened to her interview with a white woman, and the white woman wanted to, talk, wanted to learn all about black issues, but she was asking all the questions. Right. And she was directing the narrative, and I felt like listening to it. I was like, why don't you shut up and let her talk and let her, a- and mm-hmm. let her address things? Right. So I think people's mind, people mean well, mm-hmm. but – you know, like uh, the person who was like, "Hey, I, I need black actors for right. you know, for my ping. Come, you've got to come." Well, and the and yeah. the <coughs> the um, request mm-hmm. that people be sensitive, yeah, in approaching these topics is just being met with so much resistance. And like, I I don't know how you are so confident that you know everything. I, why mm-hmm. can't you come with a little bit of humility? Yeah, yeah. I think it's when you've spent your whole life. It's like emperor's new clothes. Like you spent your whole life thinking you're absolutely right, and there's nobody's mm-hmm. challenged you, and everybody's propped you up, and suddenly yeah, history's right. turned, and right. it's turning, and you know whatever the stats are. I think California's mm-hmm. ahead of the nation in terms of like how brown it's turning. You know, right. I mean it's. Um, it's threatening. It's really right. threatening. And, and half of us, I watch myself, I think 70% of the time, mm-hmm. I don't speak the truth to mm. somebody, to, you know, um, you know, somebody from a, a privileged, like, population, like, 70% of the time. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, mm. I'll just, like, you know, I, I won't tell, because I'm like, it's not worth it. It's fatiguing. Right. It's tiring. You just shrug. You know, yeah. I just, I'm like, you know, I, I just, I won't say it where it's not worth it. But, mm-hmm. um you know, but so, and sometimes I will, but they so they haven't even heard feedback. They don't even know if they were to attend like an affinity group meeting, mm-hmm. they'd be shocked. Most of them start crying. I speak for my gender, mm-hmm. like man, you mm-hmm. know, f- you start talking for two seconds if you show any emotion or you're real. Right. Like white ladies start crying, mm-hmm. like they're amazing. Oh. Oh, you know, crying so because of what you're saying? Yeah. <laughs> okay. If I'm saying something, yeah. you know, like, yeah. because it's like, so then you, it becomes about managing their feelings. Oh, mm-hmm. sure. But it's, um, but yeah, I've had this experience a lot. And <laughs> so I've, I've actually been approached by theater companies. This was within a span of like a month, I believe, is a, I was approached by two wonderful theater companies run by, you know, white people. Um, you know, and they asked me to join their EDI committee because they really want to make a difference in EDI work. But I was like, you, you expecting me to come? And this is both in the East. I was like, you expect me to pay the toll, spend my time mm-hmm, right. to, you know, uh, you know, relive like my issues, be emotionally vulnerable, mm-hmm. spend all this time, and then what am I getting? Because why should I make your theater mm-hmm. better? Why should I help you? Yeah. And it's and at the end of the day, you control the narrative. But then you're like, you know, we want to help. If you want to help brown people, you want to help queer people, mm-hmm. women. Why don't you give the power over to them? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's like, right. You know, share yeah. power, like associate director, like higher, like not just actors are the lowest on the totem pole. Mm-hmm. That's it's, it's really is a theater version of the help. It's yeah. almost like, you know, like, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. people in power and people don't want to give up the power. No. But they're like, well, oh, I guess we should do a black uh, thing or we should do a, uh, a woman thing or, right. the, you know, a gay lesbian thing. Well, okay, well, let's, yeah. Let's, let's do it. I just, <laughs> I, I actually, I was approached you know, to be a consultant on, uh, you know, on a production because it was a show about India and it was a white director, a white dramaturg, mm. a white player, a white dialect Ooh. coach. Mm. Oh Friends, God. everybody in mm. Indian accent. So, mm-hmm. yeah, white dialect coach, white costume designer. Mm. I mean, you name it. It was white across the board. And they mm. asked me to come on as a culture consultant. I took it. Because I wanted to see it. And it was right. like a little bit of money. I commanded a certain price. Mm-hmm. But I actually said to them, this is after I spoke to a South Asian playwright who gave me the language. She said, 
that they are recolonizing me by mm-hmm. hiring me. Right. Because it's almost like that's exactly what happened in the mm-hmm. colonies. Yeah. Is that to legitimize <coughs> their project, they, you know, yeah. they got right. the raw material and it's like, ha- take a, get a brown person, put them in your project. They have no power, but they will legitimize your project. Right. And the, at the end of the day, the artistic product was sound in a way that it's sound in the Bay Area, mm-hmm. but it didn't go to those dark places mm-hmm. of colonialism that it needed to go. And for that, you have to, the director has to come from a population that has known and coming back to like, I'm horrified that two seven-year-olds, and this happens every day in America, mm-hmm. have seen people killed, not die, right. but yeah. killed. Right. So when you direct a show about genocide, mm-hmm. about colonialism, you will you will tell it in a different way from somebody who has never known that experience. Right. One of my favorite moments was being an actor in Playground series. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Lisa Kang's play, beautiful, called American Migration. Yeah. And yeah. Rondrell McCormick, mm-hmm. who's oh, a wow. black director, directed us. And, right. you know, and it was about um, Monsanto and its practices in India that are leading to mm. a farmer suicide. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's not Indian. He knows right. nothing. Like, he must, must have known nothing at the top of it. But the man, the beauty with which he directed us, mm-hmm. I mean, and it was because I know he knows what it means mm-hmm. yeah. to experience oppression, just, you know, and it was just the most beautiful experience, and I was like, yeah, it's not like an Indian needs to direct an Indian play, but right. for heaven's sakes, we need to be of that mindset, and he was collaborative, you know, yeah. he knew how to share power. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we've had the both of them on, and oh, I worked great. with Lisa in uh, Emery, the Emeryville Horror. Oh, mm-hmm. She's um, amazing. But She's amazing. Yeah, yeah, no, Lisa Kong is fantastic, yeah. and, uh, but you're absolutely right. You don't have to be Indian to do, let's say, an Indian thing. Like, I, I wrote a mm. play, uh, Don't Open the Red Book, which deals with the rape of, Na- rape of Nanking, mm-hmm. which is a Chinese thing, mm. and I had my Chinese friends read it, give me some feedback, mm. let me know, you know, am I heading the right direction, wrong direction, right. Right. but you have to have that. You have to have some humility in yeah. approaching it, yeah. whether you're an actor, director, um, yeah. you know, whatever, especially if it's not your culture. And, and the, the notion that that humility is a weakness is, is so in error. Mm-hmm. You get to a more creative place, a more nuanced place, mm-hmm. when you're willing to have the dialogue and, and listen to the questions. Yeah. Or bring your own questions to admit to mm-hmm. your places of, of ignorance. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely right. Mm-hmm. No, it's true. I, and I wanted to say this on behalf of, like, you know, minorities that, you know, aren't, like, you know, <laughs> aren't, like, forefront sometimes. I feel like sometimes in Bay theater, like, everybody's so scared of messing up with, like, you know, with black people and messing mm-hmm. up with, like, mm-hmm. you know, Latinx people. But then right. they go, you know, and then you kind of, but that kind of um, care then mm-hmm. sometimes gets slipped with, like, Asian, South Asian. Right. And then there's also the brown for brown substitution. Sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. sure. I was asked to direct a play about hip-hop and, like, you know, Latin. It was, like, a Latino play, like, that involved hip-hop. And I was, like, and it was bilingual. Right. And I speak a bit of Spanish, but I was, like, I don't come from that culture, nor right. am I a hip-hop expert. Right. And so I gave a few, um, a list of directors because uh-huh. I said, these are the people who could do it. I don't right. even come from a musical. Right. Yeah. And I gave it to this theater, again, like, you know, PWI, Predominantly White Institution, wonderful theater. Mm-hmm. Actually, you know, but, and I gave them this list, and instead they went, I said no, and they gave it to a white male. And I was like, were you not listening to me? Yeah. (laughs) Well, I even wonder why they would even, you know, go to you. I mean, maybe they felt, well, we can approach her. Well, because I've worked with them and I'm comfortable for them. Sure. I'm a comfortable brown person. Well, and comfortable is the (laughs) operative word. (laughs) Yeah. You know, you want to go with comfort instead of stepping out. Right. And even when it deals with, I mean, like, I've had friends, even white friends, ask me questions like, or 
me drop some knowledge on them, mm-hmm. and they're right. like, "Wow, I just feel really uncomfortable." Sometimes <laughs> you can't worry about that, right? You no. can't. Boom! Stop, drop, and well, roll. All that means is if it's uncomfortable, <clears throat> then we need to make s- some space for that. But that doesn't mean I need to give up what mm-hmm. I'm doing to make right. space for you. Yeah, I can say, right. okay. Why don't you sit down, or why don't we have this conversation yeah. without you? Yeah, because <laughs> we need to do our work, yeah. and I'm sorry you're not ready for this, and I can only make a little bit of right. space for that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I've been invited to various workshops on diversity for decades, and 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 not in recent years. And I'm glad I kind of fell off the list because I got tired yeah. of the conversation. One of the things that let me know that these people were thinking in the right direction was they did think about. How much effort you might and expense you might have to put yes. into participating. So when you offer a meal, I'm like, oh, and it's a nice That's meal. A, yeah. I feel really appreciated. Yeah. I feel fed. So yes, I yeah. had to come from work to do this, right. and you're taking care of me. Now we can have that conversation. Right. If I come in hungry and I and out of pocket, <laughs> it's a different conversation. You're yeah. happy and comfortable. I'm expending myself. And so, yeah, I, I haven't been doing them as much in recent years. And yeah. and I don't miss it because the conversation always starts with somebody, you know, you're, they're controlling it. They are asking yeah. these questions. And the li- I did actually do one, God, I guess it was this spring I did one. And uh, it was at a high school. Mm. And I want to feed back to the guy that it was a mistake because what you really did was in a, they had 45 minutes. And there were three of us on this panel. And by asking us to talk about our experiences, you basically just gave us this trauma moment of, yeah. oh, well, this happened and that happened. And by the time we did that, the time was gone. And I was like, you know what? would have been way more effective would have been to talk to the students about their experiences and, mm. and relate that to what we know and what we've experienced. That way we're not just sitting there having a, you know, this – yeah, I think when people want to, I mean, whoever's in control, they have to really, if, if they're going to bring in a play or have a discussion about issues, especially mm-hmm. issues they don't know anything about, mm-hmm. at least have it structured where it's like, hey, listen, we're going to talk or we're going to deal with this. This is my interpretation of it. Right. But now I'm going to shut up and let you guys talk and tell right. me where I'm right or where I'm wrong and give me your, you know. Well, they let us talk, mm-hmm. but – but the the direction it could have been more focused. Yeah. Because I didn't feel like what we had to say was useful to the students. We were all working actors, mm-hmm. so talking about either shows that totally reflected our world, mm-hmm. our worldview, our perspective, you know, our ethnic background, is great. Talking about being in places where you're dealing with something else, where maybe it's not specific what my character is, but I'm playing the role, so now my character is a black man. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just a reality that I've had to educate directors on sometimes. Yeah. Like, yeah. oh, no, I don't see color. I don't care what you see. When I walk on stage, the audience is going to see a black man. <coughs> Why yeah. don't we address this? <laughs> right. Um, but, yeah, I didn't feel like it was as useful to the students as it could have been. Yeah. I yeah. think it's tricky to get this discussion going in a way that allows people to have voice but yeah. reads to that audience that we want yeah. to talk to. We want these people to understand how they're missing the point. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, I want to give a um, shout-out to Cal Shakes, actually, because, uh, you know, Cal Shakes has um, recently, um, you know, just started a lot of practices, and, um, you know, and it's just a very, very, very diverse company. I was so mm-hmm. incredibly impressed by even, like, the technical directors or the people in the shop, mm-hmm. you know, are not just, you know, cis men, 
right? It's just like women, queer folks. Like, but the company is very diverse now, which is right. very unusual. Usually, the actors might be, you know, of diverse origins, but not like. But they um, have affinity groups, and so when you get cast in a play, you have the option to go to a queer affinity group, to go to a people of color, oh, nice. affinity, women, so that you can share your experience. Because we all have these things being cast in a play, and then having the experiences where we're just feeling uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And so they, they have these affinity groups, but they also are now spearheading um, uh, transformative uh, justice-based workshops mm -hmm. every month. And there's 20, what 25 of us that are in these workshops to address. Um, sexual harassment in the Bay Area, yeah. and uh, you know, and we—I t know that we talked about this the last time I was on the show, uh, but that's you know they're actually hosted hosting it, and they wrote a grant. They didn't have to do it. They right. wrote a grant. They sponsor, um, they sponsored the event. They pay the coordinators of that program, sure. and they give us incredible food and mm -hmm. tea, and we sit around and dialogue in a circular fashion, which is, you know, what transformative justice is, and the ideas mm -hmm. that we're changing. It's not, you know, we. Uh, rape culture, right. if you may, is a problem mm -hmm. with the mm -hmm. culture. Right. It's not just one or two people. Yes, right. there are some offenders, but right. you know that's not going to change. We have a problem with our culture exactly. in the exactly. theater. But they, you know, coming back to your point, Norman, they, they, for us to be part of that conversation, which is very taxing for all of us, where, mm -hmm. you know, we're we're really treated so well, and the food is always extraordinary, and the conversations are extraordinary. It's also like therapeutic because we're sharing stories. Right. But it's it's incredible, and uh, you know, and that that kind of work can happen. But they've written a grant mm -hmm. so that they're honoring. You know, when you share something, you right. know that you're part of this community that really respects the story. And they're actually, Cal Shakes is now putting, you know, they're they're putting all this knowledge that they're accumulating into their casting practices and mm -hmm. their directing. So they're, I'm imp I'm impressed by that. I mean, no company is perfect, but I will say that I'm seeing them take strides. No, that's that's amazing, and I'm glad that yeah. Cal Shakes is doing that. Yeah. And I'm glad that you brought that up. That segues into, so I had mentioned before, uh, for those who don't know, who uh, you can listen to uh, episode 21, but just a recap, because we don't have to do an origin story, no uh, but basically you're from India, yes. uh, I believe New Delhi, right? Yes. And uh, oh. you went to Harvard, uh, and uh, you, I think you've only been here, what, 10, 15 years? Um, uh, no, I, uh, they don't have a theater program really. Uh, the, the no, I went for grad school in mm. education, and okay. I mm. ended up specializing in theater and education, which mm -hmm. is a yeah. passion of mine. I really, um, you know, which is integrating theater mm -hmm. um, into educational situations, but particularly um, using theater to what I call citizenship building. Uh -huh. You know, building citizenship, and I was talking in my thesis about citizenship beyond voting but what does it mean to be a citizen right. to feel like you belong somewhere that you can make a difference mm -hmm. so that's kind of my passion I'm, so I went for grad mm -hmm. school and mm -hmm. said you know but I think, um, you, I think you went to school in England too correct no no uh, no okay. just India and okay. then um, you know uh, America uh -huh. I was 26 when I came to America but I've been mm -hmm. in the Bay Area since 2012. 2012, mm -hmm. so okay. So not too, not too long. Got it, got it. And when you were on, uh, I'm going to play a clip that we, you and I talked about. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay. I, I know I'm going to be embarrassed. Uh, uh. No, 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 because you talk about um, just your experience, I think, uh, oh. in the um, in the rehearsal area. So oh, okay. let's listen. Okay. As if you ask me to speak specifically as a woman, I've been thinking a lot about that. Um, and I've been thinking a lot about um, the, the rehearsal room experience itself and mm -hmm. a lot of things that you have to do mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, an experience I had um, in a rehearsal room where there was an intimate scene, mm -hmm. for example, that, uh, you know, I was part of with another actor and uh, the director made us work for like two or three 
hours. Hmm. Um, and, you know, you were supposed to kiss and be intimate. And it just went on and on and on. And she never once checked in with me and said, how are you doing? Yeah. And, um, you know, and, and is this, you know, what is this feeling like? And, and I think it, a lot of the responsibility falls on me as well because I'm also, I feel like, learning just to advocate for myself. Yeah. Um, that also I never spoke up and said. The stage manager should have stepped up too, because yeah, I mean, like breaks and all of that stuff, and also just checking in. I don't know if they were in the room at that moment. Okay. But um, and it was so we might have gotten those breaks, but it was the break, the mental emotional well, break. Sure, sure. And I think that that scene was never quite um, blocked. Yeah. And then what ended up happening is every night I was never sure mm-hmm. <laughs> how uh, this male actor was going to treat me on stage and it had to do with the way my dress lifted up it had mm. to do with there was a lot of things that compromised me as a female actor mm-hmm. in a dress yeah and um you know and i i just okay and and that's, that's <laughs> it, it goes on and on and on wow, but you know you, so you but you brought that up and yeah. i said hey there's got to be other women who have gone through something yeah. similar yeah. i'm gonna play just really quick quick yeah. clips uh, C- Crystal Piamonti Zhang, and this is uh, her experience. Uh, we were auditioning for Bat Boy the Musical, and ah, you know, I, I got a poster there. Yeah, oh hey, yeah. Bat Boy, it's my show. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was auditioning for Shelley, and obviously she, you know, there's a kiss scene, there's a whole weird sex scene, mm-hmm. um, and and so at the callback, you know, there was a side where I guess the two characters kiss, and and. I was like, oh, I'm not, I'm not feeling it today. You mm-hmm. know, like I don't think we should do that because you know, right? We don't really know each other, and and I did do the scene, I did do the callback scene with a friend, but he was sick, and so I expected him to like not do it, but he did. Oh, and I was like, dude, I just got over being sick, mm-hmm. and I was not prepared. Like no one else has been kissing, and right. you kind of. Okay, so that's Crystal mm. Piamonti. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, right. This is uh, Jamie Lee Roberts. But there's never been yeah. a time where you felt uncomfortable or, let's say, a director has asked you to do something you really didn't want to do. Oh, yeah. I'd say in that first show that I was in, I had to kiss my quote-unquote That's husband. right, the 40-year-old, yeah. And I remember struggling with that a lot. Mm. Um, but I, I didn't really know to, like, say anything about it. I just thought, this is what I have to do. You have to listen to the director. Yeah. That's the protocol. Yeah. You know? Okay, so that's Jamie Lee Roberts. I'm going to play one more. Mm. Uh, Lindsay, Lindsay Smelter, who we just had on yeah. a, a couple Plus of, uh, but, yeah. Um, actually, this this summer, I had I was doing um, I was doing some shows, and I it, it was a it was Pericles, which oh. uh, there's yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and so the daughter gets like sold to a brothel and all right. this, and it was just the way that some of the people talked about her, like, and then there's more of a of a back and forth. I'm going to use the word again, conversation. Yeah. yeah. Whoops. I'm sorry. I, I, sc- I totally screwed that up. <laughs> oh. Um, because I added, I plugged in another uh, clip. Um, oh. But in any case, Lindsay was talking. I, I screwed it up. That, that's just oh, a technical okay. thing. But Lindsay was talking about how, um, oh, shucks, i got to remember. People were talking about the character. They were talking about the character and relating it to her. They were right. basically de- uh, using derogatory language. Because her character her. is was, a, was prostitute. a prostitute. Yeah, they were suddenly talking to her as yeah. if she were a whore, and that was a thing. Yeah. It wasn't just because prostitute, you know, depending on your whatever, your morality and sure. your knowledge base, you're talking about an, an employee, you know, this is an, a, a means of employment. And there are people who treat it that way, and that doesn't reflect on their personality necessarily, but people were just 
you know, taking it all there, like it was all one thing, that she was a whore, that she was yeah. loose, I, I sexy. Think, I, think I, I think I fixed it. Great. But um, actually this this summer I had I was doing um, I was doing some shows and I it was a it was Pericles, which oh, uh, there's yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so the daughter gets like sold to a brothel and all right. this and it was just the way that some of the people talked about her, like the character, right. not necessarily even right. me, sure. but using words that I wouldn't yeah. use, and referring to, m- to me as the character, right. as those words, and it, it was just such a strange, hmm. uh, in, in, so it wasn't, I guess it wasn't necessarily and, like and no sexism, but... But no one checked in with you to it see well your reaction, to see, are you okay? Not, or, yeah. not right away, and, huh. and so... And I went to one of my friends that was in the show with me, and I was like, this is weird, wasn't mm. it? Because there was a lot of even um, – People se- felt free to, yeah, to talk like and that. Yeah, because of how the character yeah. was dressed and how right. the – but it was like, but that's not – I didn't choose to dress like this. Sure. Right. Okay, there we go. Mm. Wow. So those are yeah. three examples, mm-hmm. exactly what you were talking about mm-hmm. in varying degrees. Yeah. Uh, you would think that, you know, because you had mentioned just before we cut yeah. the mic on that the culture has changed and that people are more aware. But we still have a lot to go. It's changing. Like you pointed out, Cal Shakes, you know, an organization deciding that they're going to make it a part of their institutional makeup. Yeah. It is changing. And the thing that's happened between my last interview and, you know, today is um, in the field in general, in film as well as on Broadway, Mm. um, that intimacy directors have now, you know, there's a profession that are kind of parallel to. Uh, fight directors, and they're coming into the fold. And I hope that you'll have her on your podcast. I'm happy to. You know, we did re- we did reach out to her. There was Maya? a woman. Uh, I think so. Maya Herbsman oh, okay. is the one that yes, is the yes, most yes, yes. Um, experienced at this moment. It's kind mm-hmm. of a, you know, uh, they're uh, intimacy. She works with intimacy directors international, but there's yeah. mm-hmm. they still haven't developed a certification program that's right. really you know legitimate. But yeah. she's she's wonderful, and I ended up having. You know, an amazing experience working with her at Cutting Ball Theater, and it was on th- it, the San Francisco oh, there Chronicle. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, you know, Lily Janik featured her, yeah. and um, it was the opposite experience that I'd had, you know, in other productions. But she just looked the way she looked out for her safety, and I had a blast doing these kissings, you know, love making. It was comedic too, and I felt so safe, and I felt so safe that I took more risks with my body, and I was actually edgier because yeah. mm-hmm. we had the intimacy director and it was so liberating and body positive and because we knew there was respect that it takes a professional to do that right so that is really i think um you know and she was nominated uh, for a tba award it's called a specialty mm-hmm. you know award mm-hmm. but hopefully that will become a category of its own yeah you know um because intimacy just like fight like you know right. we, we we love and we're violent happens in almost any show you know yeah no you're absolutely right and it's something that adrian dina talked about let me play this clip where oh, she talks about okay. the director who does the right thing mm-hmm. and then there's more of a of a back and forth like i'm, I'm going to use the word again conversation yeah, yeah, yeah. in Within w- words or without words, the mm-hmm. like the director will say, "Okay, now that's your limit, and that's your limit." Right. Mm-hmm. Now do what you were doing before, but much more contained. Right. Or with within that boundary, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden, I feel safe because right. there's somebody outside mm-hmm. who who I'm trusting. Right. And that's a constant process of, of, of we've, we've revisited trust and mm-hmm. renewed trust to who's watching. Right. Um, which, is, you know, can have a, a voyeuristic connotation, but who's watching from a distance and is not going to right. like invade in any way mm. and is watching for the purpose of the safety contained. 
Exactly. Yeah. Which is what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, I think as a general thing, I'm hearing it more and more, and I know it's more. When I first heard about it, I was like, "Come on, y'all." What, you know, let's just keep this simple, and and let's be really clear about what our boundaries are. You're your person, I'm my person, and we're doing these roles. So, what are the needs of the show? As I, you know, have gotten to experience it more, I realize, no, it, just like with physical, you know, with violence, staged violence, there's a real need to start from that point of safety. Let's make this safe. So let's really respect our boundaries now. We need the audience to see something else. So I did actually in midsummer ask a scene partner. I said, "Is it okay? I would like to do this. I'm going to put my hand on your thigh. Mm-hmm. Um, is that okay?" And it's funny because I we, I checked in. She said, "Cool, no problem." We do the scene, and I do it, and I because my subtext just started coming out. I said, um, "And let me kiss your fair large lips," mm. and the line is "fair large ears." It's bottom. <laughs> And I'm kissing the ears, but I said your lips, and I was coming around the side of her face when I did that, and I put my hand on her thigh. Well, it worked great, and now I just had to adjust and get my language back. It works great. I hope she feels safe. She seems to feel safe, and, you know, the director, this was in rehearsal, so there was a chance to feedback. It wasn't like I just out of the blue did it. But to know that that there's a way where we want to tell the story to the audience, but I don't want to do it at the expense of my scene partner. And I don't think that's an awareness that people have. And that's not on you because that should be on the director and the stage manager Mm -hmm. to create that safety. Because the truth is that uh, many women or, you know, non-cis men, you know, we want to be hired and work again. So I don't want to say I'm not comfortable. I also want to experiment with intimacy, but we need that safety container. Yes. Um, But, you know, and now I'm like. I, now I can advocate for myself so much more. Mm-hmm. Like in 2017, just even hearing my voice, I definitely sound younger. Like I was <laughs> like, you know, I, I think I have so much more confidence that's built, uh, mm-hmm. unfortunately, on the back of like uh, like not pleasant experiences, but sure. I've learned. Yeah. And I can advocate for myself. And, you know, if I'm not comfortable with you, Norman, I will just advocate. But right. you just never know. And if you just ask in that passing, you know, yeah. hey, is it okay? The first response would be, yeah, I'm fine. Right. Yeah. You know, because you want to continue the work. And you talk about, uh, you know, you having the confidence. But, you know, the onus should not necessarily be on the actor. I mean, leadership comes from the top down. It comes from the director, from the producer. Well, I think it has to be both. You have to understand that this is a work environment. Mm -hmm. So I can't just do my process. I have to to collaborate. Mm -hmm. Right. 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 Exactly. And I do wonder about, you know, like when a director and you know there's going to be an intimacy scene Mm -hmm. or even a fight scene or you know just anything like that you know what do you say at the very beginning of the rehearsal do you set the standard right Uh, some do and some don't for whatever reason well hopefully it's becoming part of our bay area culture it's now part of some contracts yeah. Oh, that's this, right. Yeah, yes. that yeah. you, um, you know, that there's the contract in this language, and like, mm-hmm. you know, be careful. You know. Yeah. yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we didn't even get into current events, and we're already 45 minutes well, in. Well, so <laughs> current events. Yes. Holy yes. moly, Kentucky, yay, Virginia. Oh, yay. that's right. That's right. Elections. And and the best one is Trump going the night before the election and. Don't do this to me. Oh, goodness. They're going to say that this is proof that, you know, that I don't have support and that I'm going to lose. Don't do this to me. Oh, goodness. And he totally made it about himself. And I heard that clip before the election. I heard the clip and I was like, oh, dude, I want you to. I so want. (laughs) 
this guy to lose tomorrow mm-hmm. just so that we can play this clip for the next year. I have a question for I have a question for you, Radhika, yeah, um, yeah. because we've talked about uh, last week. I, t- I think I talked about there's a uh, Indian. Um, she's a um, psychologist and she's written a book on narcissism and she believes mm. that she has oh a right. theory that narcissism has affected America and especially American oh. politics wow. where it's all about me, 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 focus on me mm-hmm. and it's created very, even among millennials, you know, like, uh, you know, please click on my likes. I only have 50,000 likes. I need more. Right. right. Do you believe that? Do you see that happening around? Do you think that we are affected by just narcissistic people? That's so interesting. I... Wow, uh, who is that? Uh, who is that? Dr. Ravani, uh, I want to say Dursaval. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I it, that's it's so interesting. I don't know, and I, um, I've actually had some people that are very close in my life that I now think were narcissists, and mm-hmm. I didn't know. So even I am like exploring what I think mm-hmm. narcissism is. But yeah, it is, and I think some of it has to. Do, I don't know if it has to do with. I think America is built on a culture of individuality and individualism, which I think is so empowering because I come from a culture that it's all about the community, which is lovely. But, Mm -hmm. you know, an individual sometimes can fail to really step out of, you know, the bounds of the community and leads to a lot of depression and, Mm -hmm. you know, just people not being self-actualized. So I think a lot of us come to America looking to actualize ourselves and our individual identity. But what gets lost here is the connection with other people and also the comfort that you find and sometimes like communing with people. Mm -hmm. But I think it's also technology. I think just this idea that for me to be legitimate, I have to have all these likes for me to Mm -hmm. be like, you know, even be hired. I I have a friend who's like, this happens a lot in film, TV and commercial. They'll hire people who are, who have a certain amount of likes or they're social influencers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, uh, like a built-in audience. Like a built-in audience and then oh. you follow and right. I, don't, I don't know. I just, I didn't grow up with that generationally. Yeah, yeah. So I, it doesn't affect me. I only, to be honest, now I'm using, I'm using Facebook to just, if I have a show, I'll promote it. But I can right. even see that there's people that are fatigued right. of like even nobody's like checking these things. We're all really right. tired. So yep. mm-hmm. yeah, and I think, I think we are, but I also think we're hurting. So there are some, I mean, Trump is like the yeah. extreme. He's such a Shakespeare and pure classical. Like he's a, he's <laughs> a pure really version <laughs> of narcissism. Like, yeah. you know, he'll be right. in DSM, you know, whatever DSM is coming up. Like, but the point is that I think we're really suffering and we don't know how to be happy. And we think that that our digital identity or a, a face we present outward, that's going to, that makes a happiness. But the the you know, we have a loneliness epidemic, and you right. know, New York Times and Times Magazine has talked about I'm it. I'm reading about that. Yeah, it's mm. and we have an epidemic, and that's why young people are are killing themselves because they yeah. don't. You know, some of it is like yes, there's a mental health aspect to it, but no, I do. You know, there's something about America that we're so isolated, mm-hmm. and yeah. we're not able to share our hearts. Right. You know, in my country, we use the word depressed all the Oh, I'm feeling depressed. Mm-hmm. I'm having a terrible day. I'm depressed. Right. Here it's like, oh, my gosh, somebody's going to take you aside yeah, and think you're clinically right. depressed. But we say, I'm sad. I hate it. <laughs> you right. know, we say all kinds of things. Yeah. So people know for having a rough day, mm-hmm. yeah. you know. But here it's like, it's harder to admit that. So yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, that's part of it. And I don't know how narcissism. Yeah, we're all into ourselves. And. You know, just to give you an example, I think that one of the narcissism that as a culture we Americans have is we're so obsessed with this country and what's happening over here. And all I hear on the news, even KQED, is impeachment, 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 impeachment. 
do we know what's happening in the rest of the world? Like in right. Lebanon, that's right. That's right. there's these incredible protests happening where these rallies and human chains mm-hmm. are forming. And or even in Hong Kong. Hong so Kong. Yeah. Yeah. And Hong Kong gets to the news. But it's actually, we get so obsessed Chile. with Chile. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Every country. And actually, they're... Um, they're um, tyrants in so many countries right, oh, yeah. right now and dictators right. and yeah. you know people are fighting for their rights and i think we have so much privilege even the weakest of our people sometimes have more privilege than oh, sure. you know mm-hmm. countries where you know people can't survive so i think if we get over the we're the only people that matter yeah right you know i think it'll humanize us and we'll you know and mm-hmm. i feel like we'll want to offer something right you know and i think that's why it's important to talk about privilege and even for minorities, for all of us yeah. to think about, like, what mm. we do have, yeah. Yeah. you know, because sometimes we just, it becomes, uh, I think, what we call oppression Olympics, like, <laughs> right. who's more oppressed <laughs> than right. the other, right. and I think yeah, it's important right. to talk about my oppression, but it's yeah. also important to talk about the fact that, Yeah, some I, people you know, are victim junkies, unfortunately. Yeah, victim mm. junkies, and you can't talk about, I can't talk to a white Jewish person or a white gay, gay male, or I can't talk to you know, a black man about, like, my culture because then, it'll, you know, because I just can't talk about it. Because sure. then it's like, no, you had more oppression and yeah. we're scaling. You know, so I think, I don't know. It's interesting you mentioned about yeah. um, loneliness and depression. Isn't It's the mother of all ironies that yeah, yeah. We, our technology allows us to communicate much better and much quicker right. yeah. than we've ever had. Yeah. But yet, ironically, we don't really talk substantively, right. substantively yeah, yeah. with yeah. each other. It's like, yeah. hi, how are you doing? Or emojis. We don't even right. know, type in <laughs> right. sentences anymore. Right. Yeah. So I do wonder, how much real conversation do we have? Um, and I think that's, you know, that's what depression is. It's like, hey, no one feels the same way that I feel, mm-hmm. which is a lie. Right. You know? yeah. Can I tell you an idea I have? Because yes. I've been thinking a lot, mm-hmm. like, professionally as an actor. Like, I feel like I'm in a midlife, mid-career crisis where, like, just I, I've kind of, like, really slowed down with my art form and just don't want to go from show to show to show. But... I had this incredible experience um, working with um, a, a show I did with Leela Improv, which is based on the Armando technique where this, hmm. you know, uh, you, what happens is, um, uh, you know, you get a, a prompt from right. the audience and then you mm. share a real life story and then improvisers improvise that oh, story. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But that day there was a drama therapist from Israel who showed, shared this beautiful story about a bombing in Tel Aviv and he was mm. there and he was mm. a, a medic and anyway... But the, the kind of improv that came out of that moment was so beautiful. And he was even funny because, mm-hmm. you know, just we're, we're just, you know, humor comes out of everything. Right. But it was so beautiful. And I felt like that's the work I want to do. And I felt like even in theater, half of us are in the audience, are in the dark, and, and people are spotlighted. Mm-hmm. And if you look at who's – and I felt like I want to break those boundaries down huh. so that we can – you know, we can all have a dialogue. We can talk to each other. We can share each other's pain. Mm-hmm. And even theater, like traditional theater, is so isolating. Right. But, you know, forms like theater of the oppressed or improv, or when you have these forms, even Shakespeare, when you break the fourth mm-hmm. wall. And I right. think Shakespeare did that, you know, mm-hmm. like active talking or the, you know, direct to audience, you know, speeches. I think those are, I think, ways in which theater can really. You know, we can really, like, ch- we can actually do so much because we can bring up some really difficult conversations. Like, yesterday I watched, like, Dance Nation at San Francisco oh, Playhouse. Yeah. Uh-huh. Crystal Jong was in there. Oh, she's remarkable. 
And it was so beautiful. It moved me. I, I'm Honestly, I'm so tired and cynical and fatigued. I didn't want right. to. I didn't want to like it. I wanted to hate on it. But mm-hmm. it was the most beautiful, Yay. gutsy production. Mm-hmm. And we all were. And there was there were some people. And I, I'm pretty sure there were people of color. They started to talk back to the stage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then some of us started to have more reaction. And you could see that dynamic. But <laughs> it was really about, like, pussy power. Uh-huh. And, just, and there were, like, men saying the word pussy power. It was just great. <laughs> and the, it was electrifying. Yeah. Yeah, 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 and so. we felt each other's pain. Mm-hmm. And we and we laughed, but it was like you know, theater has the potential to create those conversations and to talk about those things. But unfortunately, ninety percent of what we do is still like you know, people right. go, they watch a show, you know, and mm-hmm. then they come back. But yeah, yeah the, the expe- oh, as if it we're the movies, and it was <laughs> a movie, and we're narcissistic too, we actors. Mm-hmm. You know, watch me, watch me, watch right. me. Why did you fall off to sleep? I was doing my thing and. I think right. we've got to get off a high horse, too. Sure, you know? sure. And ironically, you mentioned this in episode 21. You had talked yeah. about the participatory audience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I do wonder if audiences are, you know, because a lot of audiences that I see in theater, unless they are regular theater goers, right. they do expect a cinematic, you know, experience. Right. So yeah. if I were to, well, you know, look at someone, they were like, Please don't look at me. <laughs> right, right, right. I'm trying to, you know, just, you know, some people want the wall. But I, I right. appreciate breaking the wall because I want to hear what do you think? What do you think about what's going on? Well, it's stylistic. I mean, it's, yeah. a, you know, what is what are the things we can do in contemporary theater that take advantage of the live audience experience? Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I think we should. Um, having just done Dracula, I realized the other side of that is. That was proscenium, and it was like, oh, this is a totally different way to approach the audience. And, you know, you hear, you do a script, and you hear lines, and they just stick in your head for whatever reason. Um, right towards the end of the, before the play within the play, at the end of Midsummer, um, Theseus and Hippolyta have a scene. And they talk about, well, what are we going to do? And she says, well, what shall we do to fill the three hours before we go to bed? And to realize... Back in that time, that's exactly what you had. We've done everything else. We've closed down the house. We're home, and it is 7 o'clock. What <laughs> are we going to do until we go to sleep? There's no Netflix and There's chill. No Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> and to realize that for an audience, how satisfying it would be to hear just that line from the stage to reflect your life. Wow. I think there's a way where mm-hmm. a lot of good theater now reflects experiences that the audience can just yeah. feel a part of mm-hmm. yeah. so it's not just passively watching yeah 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 no i totally agree erotica i totally agree because we're i think we're used to passively watching our society yeah. i think that's what we're used to passively watching and i think we can't passively watch you know and we have to be part of the and audiences have to be part of that you know yeah. uh, you know that conversation mm-hmm. how we do it will be creatively i think we have to break the form yeah right but right. You know. Yeah, that's the challenge. Yeah. But if you do it or get even close to doing it, yeah. you bring the audience to someplace new and they go, okay, this is better than just sitting home and clicking. So true. Right, right, exactly. Yeah. And the only other thing, I had a couple of other things. Uh, Buffalo Wild Wings, couple of, apparently a couple of people died eating uh, Buffalo Wild Wings. I think what? Yeah. No. So yeah. this, is, this comes from CNN. I'll read this real quick. A Buffalo yeah. Wild Wings general manager died after being exposed to toxic fumes 
from cleaning agents. Oh, oh okay. Oh. oh, okay. I, I had uh, my Oof. the title of that was wrong. What? <laughs> 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 um, no, because there was the stupid uh, the chicken Popeye's chicken sandwich. Oh, sure, yeah. Which okay. people are still like fighting, fighting. I don't understand the uh, the. I mean, okay, it's a great chicken Long sandwich, but what's the big fi- deal? I don't care how good that chicken sandwich is. I oh. do not need to stand in line. I hate standing in line. I hate standing oh in line. Oh my god! I think that's a young. Uh, that's my. Um, because you know, people are always young people are always waiting for like boba and like right, you know, like. The pop culture. I'm like, I think you turn a certain age where I'm like, I know my life is limited. There's no way I'm spending my precious time <laughs> waiting in line. But there's always. Right. <laughs> yeah, if yeah. it's really that good, I'll be able to get it later. I'll I'm be able to get it later. It. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And and the only other thing, uh, so John Christopher Smith. Uh, so this is actually, uh, I hate to do these sad stories, but yeah. a white man was convicted of enslaving a black. Oh person. yeah, I you just, heard about this? I did, yes, I just read it yesterday. Apparently, the guy, the black guy, was uh, developmentally, developmentally disabled. And, um, and his family turned a blind eye to it. Yeah, you know, I wondered about that. How in the world do you get a, a guy to work at your restaurant? You beat him, you hit him, you right. do all sorts of things. Don't you pay him. Scars, yeah. For years and years, and no one know anything about yeah. it. Apparently, well, he pled guilty to one year of forced labor, coercing Smith to work extensive hours with yeah. no play. Yeah, that, Even though see, that alone years. is just crazy. Uh, he was sentenced to ten years in prison this yes. week, and and restitution, yes. um, like two hundred, I think two hundred thousand or something that he's got to pay this guy in the world. Yeah, and and the article that I read said only ten years, and I'm like, you know, y'all are a little jail crazy. Ten yeah. years, <laughs> that's a it's long a time, and that's a whole different conversation about like restorative justice right. and like, you know, do you if somebody's just hanging out in jail or is it like an yeah. experience where right. they get but you, but you, know yeah. you, know, exactly. you know it's not going to be the whole 10 years yeah. Yeah, 10 years on paper yeah. right I understand I understand yeah. but still I'm just I'm happy it's interrupted somebody who knew him yeah. recognized what was going on yeah. and then the other thing in the, the version I read of the story talked about that the family had just kind of gone you know our, not our problem anymore really it was sort of like oh yay he's got something to do we don't have to take care of him wow. and they just turned a blind eye yeah and that's just uh i mean you know when you put a callus on your emotions like that mm-hmm. i mean i know it's hard so taking that's care of someone and disabilities and like how yeah. you you know yeah, yeah 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 it's really sad that's all that i had yeah. and we are wow. we, we uh, yeah Thank we're you. about an hour and a half in wow <laughs> that went so fast can, hey we 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 were enjoying each other Wow. Enjoying, enjoying all yeah, this. Birthdays, shout-outs, birthdays. Birthdays. Um, yeah. A fair amount of birthdays coming up. James Brooks, one of the oldest black actors in, in the Bay Area that I'm aware of. Wow. Uh, his birthday is today. Whoa, happy uh, birthday. Lynn Schaefer. Um, yes. You know Lynn? Yes. Yeah, he's a singer, um, actor, singer, um, and Tanya Schaefer's brother. And she's a um, writer as well as an amazing actress and singer. Uh, Brian Stevens is a young man I worked with at Theater Works way back in the day. Uh, Valerie Week is right on. Yay! Yeah, Valerie, Valerie Week. Yeah, Valerie Week. Counting Week. actors. And I just want to give a shout out to Valerie Week. We are about half and half. Half and ah! half men. <laughs> Yay. So there we now go. I noticed lately we've been very female heavy, and I'm like, I guess that's not bad because <laughs> inevitably we'll fall back in that yeah. row. And two transgendered, um, transgendered yeah. women. Uh-huh. So yeah, we're, yeah. we're, you know, okay. we're, we're getting we're, there. We're I know okay. you all worked like consciously. We are absolutely. Doing we that. Want, I do we want those stories. Yeah. Yeah. Michael Patterson, uh, somebody I went to college with, and then it's funny. I when I got out was involved with the Asian American Theater Company, and I remember um, at one point a project came up that I couldn't do, and I recommended him, and he was so excited. And it was funny because they're doing Chekhov. 
So they're doing white people's theater in an Asian American setting, black guy. <laughs> and he was so excited. And I was like, yeah, that's the way it should work. Uh, Avery Mitchell, go to the other extreme, is um, was one of my students up in Richmond. Mm. Um, and one of my first, like, oh, this kid, I can get this kid to act. Wow. And he went away to school and got, he's, I forget what his degree is, but it's more in social activism. And he's out now, out of college, so, and wow. back in the Bay Area. Wow. Uh, Madeline Butler is a local playwright. She's wonderful. Hey, happy birthday, Madeline. Uh, Gina Padilla Morea. Mm-hmm. Um, Gina was a stage manager for me way back in the day, and then I ran into Ron Muriera, mm-hmm. and oh, he was involved. We were doing uh, Jeannie Baroga's play, um, Buffaloed. Oh, yeah. And he is the, I forget what his title is, but he's the arts um, liaison, basically, with the city of San Jose. And he was very much a part of helping to bring this project in. And suddenly he brings his wife in, and it's Gina. And she's like, Norman Jay, oh, my God. And I was like, y'all are together. Okay. Yay. What a small world. Mm-hmm. And they've got two little ones now. I think. Right on. Uh, Zelma Livingston, somebody I went to college with. I'm, and I'm not sure if she's still doing theater. Ron C. Santiano is um, director, film director. Mm. Um, does wonderful stuff. Clay David. And it's funny, I don't think Clay David and I have actually had a direct connection, but we have connected on Facebook. I see he's always doing projects. Yes. Um, I will leave one for Ridge, because <laughs> I know that you must have it on your list. Maybe. Dodds Delzell is a um, North Bay actor, and I did a show up in Santa Rosa with Dodds. And I was like, who the hell is this guy? Because he's just, he's a sweetie, but on stage he can be like this big menacing jerk. <laughs> um, and then I p- saw him a few years ago uh, here in Berkeley at uh, the uh, Live Oak Theater in a weird comedy, and he played, oh gosh, who was the character? Um, they had taken something like Midsummer. They had taken it and sort of did a what would happen, what's the next part of the story? Oh, wow. And they had taken him as a character who was basically mute in the play and kept him mute until he finally spoke out. It was... He suddenly has this big monologue. You've gone through like almost half the play, and he suddenly has this big monologue. And I was just so happy to see a guy I thought of as this big Hulk on stage be this, you know, this gentle giant and suddenly come up with this beautiful monologue. It was like, Dodds is so amazing. So it's weird because he is known in the North Bay and does a lot of work up there. Mm. Doesn't get down here as much, and mm. we don't get up there as much. Uh, two more. Uh, Willem, De L- Willem DeLong. I always want to put a DeLong in there. Willem, um, amazing actor who has worked with Anton's well. It's where I first saw him, mm-hmm. and then I got to work with him. <laughs> Wonderful. And Nathaniel Anderles. Nathaniel! Yeah! One of my first children. I'm now, I keep playing, even now I'm playing Aegeus, a parrot of Hermes. Because he was Laertes when you yeah, were Yeah, he was Polonius. my Laertes. Yes. And, and, and no, after we had just done um, yeah. Ubuntu's um, Death of a Salesman, and yeah. he was playing the son in that. Yes. Not my son. He was playing the other son. Mm-hmm. And I, I was like, this is a small world. I, I it is a small world. I don't have adult children. <laughs> I don't have no kids, and I got all these adult children. Yeah, well, you do have a child, yeah. Um, in my list, uh, Rachel Pospisil, and I mentioned her last week. Her birthday is um, was Friday, and uh, she directed um, – she came from out of town, but she directed uh, Heathers. And oh, I yeah. uh, did sound for that. Um also, you mentioned Valerie Week already. Also, uh, on Sunday, um, Sunday the fa- no, tomorrow, 
Uh, Jen Furlong, and Jen Furlong is someone who I went to school with. We went to do Duncan School of the Arts. Mm. I think she, I hope she's still doing theater, Mm -hmm. but I think she's in the Midwest. I think she's on a farm. You know, she Ah. was always a country girl, so. Um, Yeah, I find as the list gets longer that I need to start going, okay, if I should look (laughs) you up and see if you're actually still doing stuff. Yeah, but I mean, I'll still, you know, represent folks who who were involved in theater. Um, on Monday, a good friend of mine, Kobe Cole, also someone who uh, we did Bubbling Brown Sugar Ooh. Uh, <laughs> at Duke Ellington School of the Arts, and he is a professional singer. He's doing fantastic work. Uh, so, Kobe, um, happy birthday to you. Um, Wednesday, this is, I think you saved this for me, Pete Fitzsimmons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pete was uh, in Four Men in Paris. Yeah. He played Ollie, yeah. and yeah. he did a wonderful, Ollie wonderful Harrington. job. Um and his birthday it will be Wednesday. Uh, I think I had one. Do I have one more? Um, another friend of mine who graduated from Duke Ellington, Evie Donnelly, and her birthday will be Thursday, November the 14th. So happy birthday to everyone. Happy birthday. <laughs> shows. Shows. Um, Particle of Dread closes tonight, and I'm not sure if I'm going to make it. But, um, Anton's Well thing. Anton's yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. And um, and midsummer, those the <laughs> yeah. My world has been all about that right now. Um, yeah. Opening tonight, um, oh, actually opening yesterday is uh, next to normal. Uh, Plethos Productions. Oh, yay. love that and, show. And Corinne, you know, I saw yeah. her. She did a posting uh, saying yeah. how the opening was just wonderful, and apparently it's it deals with a lot of serious issues. Yeah, right. it musical. does. It's a, a it's fantastic very deep. musical. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it uh, sounds like it sounds like they're getting a great uh, reaction from the yeah, audience. Yeah. Oh, great. Something that you yeah. were talking about, you know, yeah. just the audience uh, reaction. Yeah. Also opening um, and closes on uh, November 24th, something more traditional, Hello, Dolly, mm. uh, the Douglas Morrison Theater. A good friend of mine, Alicia von Kogelgen, who's mm. been on here twice. Oh, right, yeah. Uh, she is, I, pr- I think she is Dolly. Mm-hmm. So there we go. That is it. Radhika, hey. thank you so much for thank coming on. Thank you so much. This was yeah. like an amazing time. I'm so <laughs> happy. <laughs> and I know, I know you do podcasts all yeah. the time, so you know. No, I don't. This is great. Mm. <laughs> I don't. I just love this so much. Oh, thank and you, it's Reginald. so funny. I wanted to point out that. Yes. So that we finally got face to face, doing a. I don't even know what they call it. The um, Cisco. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, well, that's right. You corporate mentioned communications. That's training. right. You mentioned that there yeah. was a talk, there was a meeting, a seminar, yeah. something. Yeah. You guys were talking about all sorts of cool yeah. issues. And but it was cool. like it was finally like, oh, hey, yeah, yeah. <laughs> finally. <laughs> and of course, for those who don't know, you and I, we were on stage since skin of our teeth. You were the uh, yes, the uh, woolly mammoth. I was the woolly mammoth, <laughs> and then a lot of ensemble parts. But that was beautiful. Yeah, yes. yeah. I miss my little straw hat. All righty. You can listen to uh, the Yay on any podcast. We're now on Spotify as well, so you can listen to that. Uh, Really, any podcast that you listen to, your podcast, you can find us. Mm -hmm. If you're an old stogie like me, you and you listen to your podcast on a laptop or a desktop, because apparently millennials don't listen to, they don't even use their laptops anymore. Right. (laughs) Uh, You can find us uh, on iTunes. Just click on store, use the search engine on the upper right-hand side, you will find us. If you're an Android user, you can use SoundCloud.com or just go use the SoundCloud app and you can find us. The EA was created by theater people for theater people. If you have a show you want to advertise or if you just want to advertise yourself, let us know. Hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat. You can find me at Reg Space Clay. I'm at Hoosier Hoosier. Radhika, do you have a Twitter, Snapchat, instant message thing? I do. 
but I don't even know what my hand is. Are you going <laughs> to find me if you look at Radhika Rao yeah. somewhere? Like, yeah. we love common friends. Exactly, yes. especially on Facebook. So if, you look, if you're looking for an actress and if you're looking for a director, yeah. especially a director yeah. that focuses on diversity, yeah. you. Uh, you can't go wrong with Radhika. And we, we got to find, find a better, better sign-off, off. and we are out.